When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 321 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, Matt Slavon, and we've got just two things on the docket today. Dembele and the Copa del Rey. And I don't think either of them is particularly positive, but that said, before we do Copa del Rey, before we do Athletic Club and all of that business, it's time to talk about Ousmane Dembele. And I said it on the earlier show this week. I said it on the two shows last week. Was there going to come a time when it was going to be the last time we were talking about it? Well, it seems like with his IG post that said negotiations are still ongoing, but it does feel over, right? With Xavi's words, with the words coming from Barcelona Brass, it sounds like and then him not being called for the Copa del Rey, as if, you know, this one is finally done with the exception of, I mean, what's going to happen next in terms of him leaving and being sold in January, or does he wait it out and not play until the end of the summer? Levon, I mean, first you can react to the IG post. I know that you kind of I mean, cheek roll your eyes about it a little bit can, can we can we talk about Dembele or has he prohibited it I don't I mean yeah. I don't know how much he speaks Spanish obviously still but I don't think he also speaks English but I don't actually have that many negative things about his personal career I mean he was too much money he couldn't stay healthy and that's where we're at I mean I I think it's just ridiculous uh the, the that letter might have been the worst letter that I have seen in my life like I'm struggling to think of of a letter that is well, there was that, uh, more lame, more more pathetic than, than that. Um, the Dan Gilbert Cleveland Cavaliers one. You know what I'm talking about when when LeBron mm-hmm. James signed with the Miami Heat. Dan Gilbert to LeBron James might be the worst one I ever I've ever considered. 
Yeah, that was lame too. But did Dan Gilbert actually write like three different lines with I prohibit anybody from doing this? I prohibit <laughs> Dan Gilbert say love is a form of blackmail. It's almost like I think that when you write a letter like that, it's not to make you yourself look even a lot worse than even the people who still kind of support you or kind of like a grain of sympathy towards you already look at you, right? So I don't know. I thought it was just incredible. I also think that the, the only way that Barcelona sends into the stands is if behind the scenes, what we are not seeing, uh, th- things are seriously wrong. So because it's not a normal negotiation tactic, uh, especially because this is not, not a situation where the club has any leverage. When Barcelona sent Elikes Moriba to the stands, that there was leverage, like, you know, because he's, he was not a first team player yet. So we could say, well, you know, you're just going to train with, train with the B team because the point of young players from the academy is to, to develop them. So, so Barcelona used, the, used the, the leverage to actually either force him to renew or force him to sail. With Dembélé, we, we don't have any leverage because we know that he'll, he'll be very happy to just sit in the stands. It's even better for him because he won't be able to get injured. So, so there was none. So the, the only reason for Barcelona actually taking it there is because they're being tra- they, they got tired of being treated like idiots by Dembélé and his agents, where Dembélé goes to, the, goes to Xavi and says, yeah, you know, I'm really happy here. I want to stay. And then the club has to send, I don't know how many emails to, to his agent before there's even a reaction and so on and so on. And then for, for six months, there are talks where people supposedly get closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden they come with ridiculous demands and so on and so on. So I, I think that the, re- the reason that the club actually chose this, this option, which brings us no benefit whatsoever, um, is because, of, because Dembélé basically made it impossible for us to to look ourselves in the mirror for all of the let's say the big money moves of Coutinho and Griezmann and Dembele, you always got the sense that when it was time to be done, just because they were never going to be able to reach up those expectations, that whenever it was time to get to be done with those, it was all going to crash down and be ugly on the way out. I always did hold out hope that Dembele of those three, where I always felt like, and then I think Xavi agreed with me that naturally he's the best fit on the field. And so you always felt like the path forward, even true that if he chose to stay, unlike Coutinho and Griezmann, I would take him back if he decided to renew and if that negotiating had gone well, but it didn't. And to the point about the post, you know, I would in normal circumstances as well say that there's no way that the player, I mean, I worked with professional players behind the scenes and stuff, and there's no way the professional players actually the ones who are, are writing that and releasing it with the exception of all these comments by his agent Sissoko prior to this. That actually does make me believe that Dembélé came out with this himself and thought that was a good idea with support from just family, whoever it may be. But I can't believe that he didn't have a somebody, not even his main agent, but a PR. Usually all these players have their own, not PR firms, but they have an agreement with some kind of PR representative as well. And I just, I can't believe it got through all that different stuff and he hit send on it. But that the, my other thing about Dembélé too is, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because it just it's just my nature, but... I mean, even if he definitely wanted to stay, negotiations didn't work out. His agent and Barca never found the common ground they were looking for. And that's it. I feel like, I mean, I, I know Dembele says negotiation is still going on, but I feel like that's it. It's, it's maybe yeah. a freelancer and me knowing too many colleagues go through how messy contract negotiations are. But to me, it's just business. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's frustrating because of what this particular player is capable of in theory. There are few as fast and few as impressive with the ball as him. But at this point, I mean, it's time to move on because it is time to move on where the, it's the end of the Dembélé chapter. And I think 
in hindsight, as terrible as it is to lose a talent like Dembele, because very few are like him in the world. And again, if Xavi is going to be looking out on the across the how much ever Barca has to spend, but he's looking out and saying, hey, I want to bring in another winger like Dembele. It, Barca is going to be hard pressed to find someone who, in theory, does what Dembele does uh, on an open market for anything that Barca can afford. So unfortunately, it feels like it's going to be a loss potentially in the short term. But I mean, in the long term, yeah, you lose a player that on his wages, Barca, it just again, it's going to restructure the entire uh, wage structure to have to bring in to what the client and the agent are demanding. And from a business sense, unfortunately, you've got to cut the loss on that. And again, it hurts more because of what his price tag that he was never going to be able to live to was. Yeah, I have, I have two thoughts. First, I, I agree that he wrote the message himself. That was not written by, uh, by a professional. You know, <laughs> Either he wrote it by himself or he just grabbed some drunk off the street and said, hey, do you want to write a message on my Instagram? Uh, <laughs> you know, one or the other. The, the other thing is that the negotiations lasted more, more than six months. I think that if you, have, if you play for a club and that club has paid you millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of euros. Wow. And there's no blame here. Uh, while you're injured all the time, uh, while your behavior has not always been professional. The, the reports that are in the media, that's, that's the tip of the iceberg of everything that is out there uh, regarding Dembele in, in, in Barcelona. Uh, the club actually protects him a lot, uh, as, as the club should, because it's not in the club's interest to to throw all the players dirty laundry out into Sport and Mundo Deportivo. You know, that, <laughs> that's not good for anybody. It, those negotiations should not be a zero-sum game. You know, th- th- those negotiations, if, you know, six months ago or s- at some point during those six months, it becomes clear that what the club wants to pay, not what the club can afford, but what the club wants to pay or what Dembélé wants to get from the club, not what Dembélé could afford to give up, but what he wants to get from the club. If it becomes clear that it's so far apart, Dembélé and the club should be able to sit together already months ago and say, hey, you know, this is not going to happen. Is there any way that Dembélé can leave the club so that the club does not lose all of all of our investment? Most players do this. You see it with Memphis and Olympic Lyon. Memphis asked Lyon to negotiate with Barcelona one year before he came. And then six months before he came, Barcelona didn't have money, but at least Lyon knew like what the deal was and they could prepare. You see it with Eric Garcia, who asked City to negotiate with Barcelona. Uh, you see it with Mbappe. Mbappe asked to leave uh, Paris Saint-Germain last summer to go to Madrid. You know, even though Paris Saint-Germain does not need the money at all, even less so than, than, than Barcelona, of course, even though Mbappe has actually delivered on the pitch. But all over Europe, like good players leave their clubs, but respect their clubs. So I think that if Dembélé is uh, put in the stands, it's because they are just fed up. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, Dembélé and his agents have been negotiating with us in bad faith and have been wasting our time. Uh, so th- th- that, is, um, that is my take on it. I think it's disappointing. I think it's not, good, not in our interest at all that he does not play. It's, I would prefer to have him on the pitch, even if he leaves for free uh, the end of the season, because, you know, even more so, you know, the day of the decision, we freaking lose Ansu Fati again to injury. So I'm totally disgusted by the whole situation. But uh, if, if he is not play- playing, it's because 
you know, people at the club just cannot look at themselves in the mirror after how uh, Dembélé's camp have um, have wasted our time for six months. Yeah, I think moving forward, that's the question, right? That I agree with you, and I think Xavi will agree with us, even if those behind the scenes might not, that Barcelona, the, the goal continues on. With, as I said, it's a business side of Dembélé. You're losing, business, you're losing Dembélé due to business, due to negotiations, due to all the stuff off the field. So Dembélé's gone, whether it's now or six months. Either way, Barcelona are going to continue on. The club continues on, the club moves on, and Barca are still going to be desperate to get top four. The Champions League, the Supercopa, Copa del Rey, all gone. No trophies for that this season. 17 points off the top of the Liga at the moment. Napoli coming up in the Europa League. And as you said, losing Ansu Fati and Pedri. Now we're recording this right after Athletic Club. This will You'll be hearing this the day after the match, of course. Yeah, so with all of those questions moving forward, I think Xavi's probably going to say the same thing we are, that... Hey, I mean, I, I know that we have to we have to put pride aside for a little bit. This player's gone. We know he's gone, but I have to use this asset because I'm going to need him on the field for, for the remainder of this season. So, okay, now we're going to sw- switch gears a little bit to this athletic club. To your point, yes, I think Ansu Fadi and Pedri, unfortunately, especially when news and the headlines of how long they're out for, because with Ansu's emotional reaction, that was that is kind of what it doesn't seem great. It doesn't. Not it's not great. So. To quote a wise man on Twitter.com, to, I think to sum up the whole match, he said this at halftime, by the way, Levon. Lucky to go into halftime tied. If Bilbao played as well against other teams as when they play us, they'd be in Europe. And I think <laughs> you're right. The Athletic Club played, and that's you, of course. And that is Barcelona on Twitter. Give him a follow. But yeah, I, I think they played really, really well. That's true. I thought Pedri was the best player on the field, and Ansu can change a game. And I think that's, that's some of all of that is what makes it most frustrating. And I think... This is one of those matches where, as I'm still, uh, you're going to see the match review first, and then you'll have heard this. But as I'm trying to figure out what the top five headlines are, as I try to break down that YouTube video, I mean, Pique had a great game. Araujo had a great and not so great day, game. Des came on to play at a position as a left winger. But all that stuff, even the Busquets point about tactics or whatever, I feel like we don't have time for any of that because of how much happened in this game. And it feels like <laughs> there was just so much going on, right? Ferran Torres scored his first goal with the club. Pedri and Gabi started their first game together. Uh, it's just, there's so much that happened in this match. I don't even know where to begin outside of the fact that Ansu and Pedri might be lost for the future. But how do we even talk about this game in context? When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need 
to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ansu is the headline. So I think it is hamstring. They were talking about the the uh, muscles in his uh, hind legs. You know, that it's not a knock that he received. And now he has to recover from the knock. No, it's it's another muscle injury. Apparently, it seemed like a muscle injury too, to be honest. Although some people were saying that it might be cramp. This I like where this team is going. Uh, we struggle at the fullback positions. Jordi Alba, and you know that I uh, think Jordi Alba is, is, is an amazing footballer, uh, but Jordi Alba does not perform well in, uh, in games where there's a lot of pressure. So games at the San Mames, games at Anfield, where with, with teams that just go at him and, and go at him and keep going at him, uh, he loses his head, he makes, he makes mistakes, and he does not have the heart to recover from those mistakes. And Dani Alves... Have we ever seen a 38-year-old play 120 minutes of football with the intensity of Dani Alves? I thought that was nice to see. He he did make some mistakes, though, especially in the first half. And I thought he made mistakes uh, in one of his other games as well. So is he going to iron out those m- mistakes or is he going to keep making them? We don't know. Araujo, hard, difficult match for him. But, you know, you play a right-footed center back on, on the left whose only weakness is playing the ball out of defense so that is always tough against a team that presses so well as Bilbao. The, the, the real story of the match for us is that Ansu is injured. But for the match, it's just about how great Bilbao played. You have to give them credit. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think the one-off Copa del Rey matches are better. I enjoy them. But the crowd at the SMMS, the nature of it, the way athletic club play, the weather as well. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, athletic club just outplayed Barcelona. And while it is a tough pill to swallow, it's true. I think even starting on the back line and then moving forward, I agree with your sentiments on Alba. I've said the same thing that he's a top three, top five 
attacking fullback still in in the world today. I mean, well, we'll say left back and not not include right backs, but left back. There's very few that we're going to be able to bring every other name you mentioned, whether it's Grimaldo, Agaya, or whoever it is that you mentioned at left back to come in for for Jordi Alba. You're going to lose something offensively. But yeah, defensively in games like this, you put him up against Nico Williams. And I mean, it was a wrap. You saw that immediately that it was a wrap. It was going to be all night like that. And then Inaki Williams comes on because Sanchet gets hurt. And the combination that the brothers even had was too much for that right side. And yeah, and this is an interesting puzzle that Xavi, I think, is going to have to figure out where I don't even think the personnel he has might be able to get the conclusion he wants, where the way Xavi plays and the way that they're going to build up and work through that pressure, you need Eric Garcia's progressive passing. It, it, it is essential to building up and, and actually providing Busquets the necessary long passes to bypass Busquets when, when necessary, where instead of always having Busquets have to drop so deep, because that was the problem where Busquets was dropping so deep and then Athletic Club were just, you know, they were licking their lips and they're off to the races. And so Garcia's progressive passing can alleviate some of that pressure. But then to survive defensively, you need Ronald Araujo. You need Araujo on the field, shutting down guys. And even though he had poor moments, there was also, especially against Anaki Williams when he came on, that game could have been worse, if not for Araujo. And then, and then the great irony is that PK has arguably been the most consistent, best center defender under Xavi that he's had. So it really yeah. is a puzzle for Xavi to break down along that back line. But I think what you know is, as we said, Danny Alves was good, but a 38-year-old Danny Alves especially when we saw the last two matches in front or an El Clasico when he had to go against Vinny Jr. You see that Danny Alves is 38 in those instances. And the other side, yeah, what Jordi Alba can offer you isn't offset by what Alves does. And then again, in the middle, you have Busquets and PK. And then again, Araujo can't really pass his way out of trouble. And Eric Garcia, as we've said, 1v1 against a counterattack isn't great either. So you have uh, you have all players individually. We, you pick them up and say, Jordi Alba, yeah, of course I'd start Jordi Alba. But who are you starting him next to? Yes, I'd start Danny Alves. He certainly has the talent still. But then what is next to him and what is protecting him? For, for Ronald Rajo, who is going to be passing out and, and making sure that Busquets has the, the support he needs on the ground? Uh, and then you start to look farther up the field for that. But yeah, it's just uh, it's a puzzle that is impossible to fit together with this personnel. And it's, again, another flashpoint that... This is where Barca is with their squad at the moment. They have a lot of individual great players, but putting it all together is a lot more difficult where even back to the time of Kuman, I think Xavi's tactics have improved. I think Barca looked better, but it's hard to even tell how Barca looked better when Pedri wasn't on the field. As and because I want to I'm, I'm transitioning to Pedri because he was the best player in the game. I, there's no argument and Barca only controlled the match when Pedri was controlling the match. Um, I think he was our best player on the game. He was not necessarily the best player on the pitch. I think Iker Munian was um, the best player on the field. Yeah. Although Pedri was also really good. He was your uh, <laughs> Yeah. We're not arguing. We're not arguing. I, th- I, think, I, think one of, I think one of the things that Xavi could do is play three in the back. You know, how, how do you solve an issue where, you know, the problem is that we don't have fullbacks. You play without fullbacks and you go three in the back. I think the, the, the problem with three in the back is then... Who, who would you play there? So uh, you want Araujo probably on, on the right or in the middle. You want Piquet in there, but then you're not going to put Piquet on the right. He's too slow. So you put Piquet in the middle, Araujo on the, li- on the right. Who do you put on the left? You can put Eric Garcia on the left. You could also put Frankie de Jong in a three-man back line, which, which I like a lot. But if you put Frankie de Jong in a three-man back line, like he's not going, he's not going to accept playing center left back. Well, in that match, you know, 
in that match today, Busquets was the one taking up that position when De Young came <laughs> on the field. And then you saw the, the issues there. And then De Young wound up backtracking anyway. So it was this constant scramble that you had. I'm you not- needed Busquets there in the buildup, but you needed De Young there defensively. And he just kept getting caught out in that mm-hmm. position. I mean, I think yeah, but- ideally speaking, you would have PK in the middle, Araujo on the right, and Garcia on the left. But I think it depends on personnel on the other team too. If their best player is a left winger, then Araujo goes on the, let me flip it around, and then he goes on the right. And if they're, if they're fastest, best, best attackers, a right winger, then Araujo's on the left. And I think that's almost how you have to play it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that also makes sense. But I do see a future where, you know, they're, they're with all the talent that we have in the midfield, uh, Frankie's role might be the center's back in a back, th- uh, in, in a back three, where you have Araujo, Frankie, and Eric Garcia, uh, which could be very interesting. If not, if you play 4-3-3, what I like, and I'm, I'm a huge admirer of Busquets. What I don't like is when Busquets drops in, in between the two center backs. Because what happens is that, you know, the two center backs don't push up. So you just have three people in the back that can pass the ball to each other. And often there's like no clear progression on where they take the ball forward uh, because we don't have the midfielders that then drop back. Uh, and, and Busquets is very static because he's a pivot. So he doesn't take the ball forward himself either. However, if you, have, if you have Frankie in the pivot, Frankie can drop back in between those two center backs perfectly. He can go there, pick up the ball, because then he can pass it or he can actually drive it forward and break lines th- that way. So if we're going to, um, in possession, have uh, a holding midfielder who constantly drops in between our own uh, two center backs, then Frankie might be that guy. We'll see. Well, I, think, um, I think the person on the other team matters too. As we said, Athletic Club is at this point at 33 years old in his career is very antithetical to the, what Busquets does well, where, especially with Pedri and Gabi. And it was again, antithetical to the way that Xavi wants to set up his numerical advances in the middle. So again, the system he wants to employ, I think eventually is that double pivot with the two high interiors in front. And you can't really do that with Busquets when the other team is pressing in this way, because again, you're leaving Pedri and Gabi alone on these islands. And Gabi wasn't perfect with his, ball playing today. And I mean, I think he was also just a bit out of position that actually shows that was where I actually thought Pedri was amazing today. It wasn't even the spins and the turns and the, the ball retention were one thing when Barca had the ball. That was one thing. Those are no, it's just, it's knowing where to be. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are impressive, yeah. but it was the way that, as we've said, where, why did the young and Busquets not really work together? Well, it's because the young doesn't really make up for when, when Busquets gets caught out in a position De Young doesn't really get in the right spots that he needs to to clean that mess up. Pedri is just excellent at cleaning up all of those messes and not Busquets' messes, just in general. In the middle of the field, high, low, it doesn't matter. He's everywhere he needs to be. But it's, and again, I think Gabi works hard enough to be everywhere he needs to be. But Pedri also gets in on the tackle. He wins the ball. And again, he retains the ball the second he gets it because his skill is superior to most other midfielders. It just, and the stat that makes me the saddest is that Pedri and Ansu have still played less than 12 matches total together and have only started three matches since Pedri arrived. That's an incredible, incredible lack of football that we've seen. We saw it just for that breath in the second half when Ansu dropped in and he had that little messy dick, dink, right? Where 
Pedri pivots, hands back to Ansu, and Ansu, I think it was an ill-advised shot. It was too long, but yeah, I mean, the point is, yes, Pedri and Ansu have not really ever played together. Yeah, and that's just, that's just frustrating. I don't want to harp on this, but I also want to think like where Nico fits in all that too, because clearly he was brought on at halftime to help Barca control the game a bit more. So Nico comes on, is a bit to, wider to the right. Pedri comes to the left interior and Gabi higher on the left spot, which again, it's not really where you get the best out of Gabi either. But I think these players are talented enough to all kind of fit together if you have runners up the field. And I also want to give you the room here if you want to talk about Ferran Torres, whose goal was pretty incredible, uh, actually matched the Iker Munian goal, which is also incredible. But Ferran Torres, I think his movement was really good. And now yeah. I, look, I look around and I say, hey, no offense to Abde. I mean, Abde is, again, a, a promising young player who's 20 years old in the start of his Barca career. Jukla is useful, as we've talked about. But you replace Jukla with Ansu and you replace Abde with whoever Barca can find, whether it's a nine or a winger, moving Ferran Torres out to the right. And now you're talking about players that are just better. I mean, Ferran Torres' goal, Barca don't, who do they have to finish his goals like that? Ansu, that's it. And then Ferran Torres, is, you, could clear, you could clearly see with his movement, with his understanding of where to be on the ball, his, his first touch, it's just, that's a professional footballer, at, at not the peak of his powers, but that is a professional footballer who is not taking a large jump up to play for FC Barcelona. That's a player who now immediately fits as a professional in a way that Jukla and Abde just, they're not there yet. And that's no, fine. No, but it's but, not fine. You just need more from them. And it's, it's not just asking too much of them. It's not just that they're not there yet. They might never get there. Sure. You know, uh, Ferran Torres is a way superior talent to, um, to Abde, who still is one-dimensional. And we don't know if he can add dimensions uh, to his game. We, we discussed this, uh, I think, a couple of uh, sessions ago. Uh, or Ferran Jukla, who, you know, we just signed from Espanyol B over the summer. And he's already, what, 21, 22, 23 years? He's about to be 23 uh, in like two weeks. Yeah. So he'll be 23 yeah, in two so. weeks. And Abde, again, just turned 20. But again, Abde's played 25 professional matches, something like that. So I just mm -hmm. a reminder on him. Yeah. But I mean, Ferran has already played uh, how many matches for Spain and scored how many goals for Spain? He's already played for for Manchester City. He's he's one of the he's probably the biggest young talented forward in Spain after Anzu and one of the main talents in Europe. You know what's so frustrating is that during the second half, and I was not actually worried about uh, winning or losing. Uh, I was enjoying the game. I was enjoying the way that we played in the second half more so than the first half. Uh, there's something about playing at San Mamés that even when they beat us. I still enjoy watching Bilbao play as well uh, because the, the, the team is just so uh, enthusiastic and proud and they're not mercenaries. They, they're, they're, there's just like real football passion when, when, when I see them play and even more yeah. so when they play us for some reason, that cannot be helped. But uh, that's why when I, when I watch them, I, I admire them and I kind of enjoy it even when I'm frustrated with, uh, with not winning. But it was at some point where we started like bringing all these other players on. It's like, wow, Anzu is coming on. And wow, we take off Gabi, but we put on Frankie de Jong, take off this player and we put on Nico Gonzalez. And I was like, this, this team is, this team is really going to come together. Like, you know, look, look how, how Ferran Torres already fits. This is becoming like a really, really strong team. And all of a sudden, you know, where we were relying on all these, all these kids from Barca B, some of whom um, might not, be here for more than one or two seasons. All of a sudden, we we are 
seeing all these players on the pitch that uh, can play such a huge role and be part of a really special team in the years to come. So for that to end with uh, with Ansu Fati uh, suffering another long-term injury, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah, we're I also getting, think- we are getting an update that Ansu could be out for a minimum of two months. So at this yeah. point, yeah, don't expect him back until March or April. And at that point, I, mean, I would shut him down for the season. If he's going to come back the last week of April, I mean, just shut him down. But in, in the same respect, like all these hamstring injuries, all these muscle injuries, at some point, you're going to have to figure out a plan to get him back on the field and slowly integrate him back on the field. So it might be better for him to just play two or three weeks prior to. But yeah, no, it's you're right. The, the Antifati thing is going to moving forward, overshadow everything, because I think, you know, and watching watching on again on a feed, depending on whatever feed you were watching on. The big narrative for those who don't watch Barca is always just about, oh, Barca are a shell. Of course, they're declining. The Camp Nou is crumbling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Without this, and we do it throughout the season too. When you look at a game and watch a game, it's hard to continue constantly remember the players aren't in it, right? Because that's an excuse. That's all it is. I mean, even Xavi after this match mentioned that Jordi Alba probably picked up an early knock and probably played the whole game with a knock, which is interesting and tells you what, how much that Alba and Xavi mm. trust Sergio Dest, who came in as a left winger, <laughs> even a right back. But again, I, I don't want to do the Desting again. I did that earlier in the week. But on, on back to the point of Ansu is that for the rest of this season now, as Barca are fighting for top four, I'm going to constantly be thinking that, oh, Barca's most prolific and most clinical finisher is not available. Regardless of how we're, we're pe- with Pedri gone again, I think we actually almost got a little, as he was gone, we almost kind of forgot with Gabi and Nico and even trying to figure out the young and Busquets thing, I think we forgot the narrative that I mean, Pedri was that good. It wasn't just yeah. Messi bringing the best out of him. If anything, he's been, he was better today finding those spots higher up the field where Messi would even occupy. Uh, it and shows so, even more now. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So between Ansu and Pedri, I have to make sure, I mean, I'll, I host the show twice a week and do all this other content. I want to make sure I do my due diligence to continue to kind of make that excuse, if you will. That, hey, I, you know, everybody else, if you're a Man United fan or a Chelsea fan, getting in my mentions, that Barca don't have their best players. Wait till Barca do have their best players. And right. wait till they have some money again, right? And like people are going crazy about Holland, but as Manuel Veth said earlier, I mean, we don't know about Holland, but if Barca have some money to spend, if you can improve your, your fullbacks, if you can potentially get another center back, if you could get now, you're going to probably look for another winger. And if you can reinforce the rest of your squad and you can go 15 to 16 deep where you can survive not having to put Ansu and Pedri out an extra time of these matches. Cause you're right. I was excited about the depth against El Clasico. That was one of the things that I came out of it with saying, Hey, Barca actually are pretty solid if they can get everybody healthy. And then you're right. This like completely, it's like a, it's like a hot air balloon. You're excited. You're waving at everybody. And then we just set the hot <laughs> air balloon on fire in the air. And it's, it's the Hindenburg up there. And it's not even about the season. Like, uh, you know, it's difficult to be optimistic about Ansu Fati actually becoming what, what we thought we had because, you know, if some people's bodies are just not made for, for professional sports, no matter how, how much talent they have and no matter how great their personality is, because he has like his, his personality and, and, and his talent, like both of those things are unquestionable and so, so incredibly rare. He is so special, but, it's, but his body is not made for this because, you know, it's, it's not normal yeah. for people to, to, to break after less than 90 minutes on the pitch. Yeah. And I mean, I want to throw out, it's not, it's not again, just him. It's, I mean, there's players, Michael Owen, there's Fernando Torres. There's, like, mm-hmm. I would say, let me, I'm going to whisper this to those Holland stands, but 
look at how many games that Erlen Holland has missed with Borussia Dortmund for the last two years. Just look at those oh, numbers. Yes. He's 21 years and he's 21 years old too. He only plays like 68% of the games. So just look at, I mean, how difficult it is in modern football to be these athletic specimens. I mean, the Liverpool trio that I think about in, uh, in particular, Salah and Sadio Mane, they have been so durable, incredibly durable. I mean, even, even, even De Bruyne had to shake off that, that, you know, the idea that he was always injured, even Messi back in, in the Tata Martino days, where there was this idea that, oh, is Messi now going to be this always injured player? And fortunately, he was able to shake off all of that. But yeah, it's difficult to be. I mean, Neymar, Neymar was supposed to be what was Neymar supposed to be? And, and so that's why we talk about the likes of Kylian Mbappe. If anything, it's incredible that these forwards, especially the ones who played the speed of Mbappe and Dembele uh, and Ansu, where Ansu doesn't have yeah the top rate speed, but I mean, ask, look at the runs that he's being asked to make. Those are just, it's grueling on your body. And to play at that level, as you mentioned, with those nerves at the MMS in the pouring down rain, like these things all matter. I mean, how many times did you see Barca players, uh, almost going back to the match here, how many times did Barca players slip on that field? I don't know what the, the athletic club players put in their cleats that Barca players didn't have on their studs, but I must have seen four or five or six times where Pedri and De Young in particular just kept wiping out over and mm. over and over again on the far side in the second half. So Barca's left attacking flank in that second half. I don't know if there was a puddle there or what was going on, but yeah, I mean, the conditions did matter in this match too. It was athletic club with a fire in their belly with all that weather and all that crowd. And you're right. Like these kind of matches break down Barcelona, but it, it goes back to the idea that Barca just, I feel like they just need to win one of these. They need to win one of these big matches, the El Clasico in the Supercopa, even though that trophy doesn't really truly matter. Or this match against Athletic Club in the Copa del Rey. I think it really galvanized a team last year to make that comeback against Granada and to go far in the Copa del Rey. I think that mattered. And now you're looking at the rest of the schedule and you're like, well, they're desperate to make top four. And yeah, there's Napoli in the Europa League, but which matches are Barcelona? What matches can propel them forward? What matches when morale is the way it is, losing onto Dembélé is basically going to be just waving at everybody from the stands, maybe, or he's going to be sold to Newcastle or wherever in, in a week or two. So other than Ferran Torres trying to inject some energy in, with Eric Garcia still sitting on the sideline too. I mean, what is Barcelona holding on to now in the next few matches and how can they win a big one? Because Deportiva... Wait, Alab- look, look, look on the bright side. Brathwaite has his hair back. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Brathwaite wanted to get a hat trick for Barcelona this year and... I mean, what, so what happens if Barca puts five past Deportiva Alaves and Martin Brathwaite has his hat trick because now he has to start for Ansu Fati. So, so, I mean, it's all possible, but I mean, now, right now we're immediately going while well, Ansu's gone again. Now Luke de Young, you have to hold on to Luke de Young completely. You can't let Luke de Young go and Brathwaite. I mean, but now he becomes important. Luke de Young, you're going to need three or four more goals from him this season. You're going to need six goals from Brathwaite throughout the rest of the year. Those so, uh, matter. Remember. <laughs> It's just crazy because I was like, we were looking at the match and we're like, look at all the depth, look at all the quality. Wow. And then all of a sudden, we, 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 we ended up with two forwards who are Cezinho Dest and Martin Brathwaite. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it is. It is right. I, if anybody didn't know, this is, not a, this is not a podcast that we're coming out of a positive. I know uh, trying to be optimistic and therapeutic. But yeah, it's not only was it a lost athletic club, because I think we can live with losing at the MMS in that way in a, a, again, a season where top four matters way more than the Copa del Rey. Barca have enough yeah. Copa del Rey trophies. They have more than everybody else. But it's I've never nature. cared about the Copa. It's, it's the nature of this loss, certainly. And I always try to end this with a positive thing. Vaughn, I don't really have one other than 
if Barcelona with his January window, I don't think another player is going to come in. The, I, I mean, with the exception of maybe Barcelona can try to apply for some kind of hardship thing, but like even the one name we saw, Lucas Boyer from Elche, I don't want to do the Brothwaite thing again and rip the best forward from a team in the 15th place. And it just looks bad on Barca. It winds up being a waste of money. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, no, Luke we- Young and Brothwaite are already there. You already got Brothwaite. You don't need to try to do it again. So I wouldn't do anything like that. I would say either Barca can try to loan in a player who's a top player who needs to go out on loan, just like Barca did for Coutinho the other way, if they can find that player. But if not, business in January is done. And you try, I mean, try to grab as many euros as you possibly can for the summertime when you're going to have to reinforce a bunch of different positions. I mean, Des could also be sold. I just, just throwing yeah. it out there, it's very, very, very likely that Des, not likely, I don't know, it's like 60-40, I'd say, that Des is no longer a Barca player in two weeks. We'll see. When is Memphis back? Uh, Memphis, I think there's just a small knock, so he should be back in a okay. week. Too. And you're right; it was it's unfair for me to forget Memphis because he is still because... Barca's leading goal scorer with eight goals. And 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 not just that, like the, the Memphis that we have seen has been a Memphis who has consistently been played to his weaknesses. Because what what Memphis needs, and it doesn't really matter if you put him in the middle of that front line or on the left of the front line is he needs people who attack the space around him so he can combine with them, but also play through balls uh, so that uh, defenders need to adjust to the people around them who attack the space, which gives him a little bit of space in order to to create space for a shot or for an action. That That's where his qualities are. Whereas consistently he's been played as a nine with uh, people beside them, uh, besides him, who, who need the ball at the feet. And then Memphis is tasked with either making vertical runs or making runs to the first or the second post or being completely isolated. If you have Memphis in that front line with uh, Ferran Jukla and Ferran Torres and Martin Brathwaite, three people who actually attack space, then all of a sudden we might uh, gain a Memphis Depay who is going to look a lot better and who will be a lot more useful than the version that we have seen for most of the season. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think Memphis next to a, a, a player like a Brothwaite and then also Ferran Torres on the other side of that front line with Pedri in particular in behind makes Memphis, I think that's one of the better versions or the best version that Barca that you could see Memphis. Okay, so Levon, again, I always try to end on a positive. I don't think we can do that today, but the only positive was I appreciate you joining me, staying up late in Barcelona, but hopefully, yes, Ansu, the positives will be, if you're listening to this, Ansu is only out for a month or, I mean, I can't say only a month, but he's only out for a few weeks and it's not the rest of the season. And then we should get an update on Pedri. Apparently it's nothing serious, said Xavi. So hopefully that we're not really boohooing too much. Again, losing Ansu again, heartbreaking, but if Pedri is able to continue on, Barca is still, still, I think in the driver's seat for top four. Yeah, Levan, last word from you. Not a positive. Um, reportedly, uh, Gavi's renewal is uh, will almost like will be announced very shortly. So that's a huge plus as well. Like getting Gavi and Araujo renewed are more important than Usman. Usman's renewal for sure, hundred percent. Yep, I agree with that. And then even Nico getting a first team number helps a little bit with squad building as, as crazy as mm-hmm. that sounds like yeah. registering him in the first team is important for building a squad mm-hmm. and it continues yeah. to make the team deeper and deeper. But anyway, a very uh, pretty number 14. Yeah. 
yeah, I just it's, I keep seeing Coutinho in it, so I, it's going to take a little while to, to get the ah. Coutinho out of my out of my eyes. But until that happens, <laughs> congratulations to Nico Gonzalez for number fourteen. But yeah, thanks so much for joining me again, Levon, and thanks so much for everyone here listening to the show. Uh, for those who stuck with us on days like this, you know that we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that different stuff, Patreon, and YouTube. Blah 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 blah. So thanks all so much right. for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Before the Barca. Forza Barca, guys, don't write any letters. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.